In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Oh, hi there. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Um, I'm talking to my guest, uh, Joe Benning, Esquire, ESQ. There you go. Um, Joe uh, was uh, served as a member of the Vermont Senate from 2011 to 2023. 22. 22, that's right, December, right. Um, and he also ran for lieutenant governor and uh, returned to his law practice in Lindenville. Yep. All right, as a criminal defense attorney. Serious. That is true. Behave people. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joe, I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he... He and his wife, Deb, took a trip on motorcycles throughout Ireland. The pictures that he put on the website are just worth the trip to his website. It's fabulous. And um, so I asked Joe to come on and talk about it because I like riding motorcycles. And the only thing he didn't do was bring Knucklehead with him. We were just talking about what happened to Knucklehead. Why don't you tell the story about Knucklehead, uh, Senator? So. Well, back first let me say um, it's great to be here. And you and I have known each other for a very long time. We've been interviewed by you on several occasions. And I think this is the first time we have not talked about politics. Yes, and we're not going to. So okay, well, that's, that's your choice. <laughs> um, my uh, listening on the way in to Matt Cota talking about right. politics, right. I've been out of it for six, seven months now. And I, I'm thinking, geez, I... I don't know if I've missed that at all, but um, it is exciting to talk about something completely different. So to answer your first question, Knucklehead was a little stuffed Harley-Davidson dog. And when I first went to Alaska solo on a motorcycle back in 2007, one of my uh, wife's friends gave me that dog to take with me on the trip. So Knucklehead kind of became uh, the focal point of every picture <laughs> thereafter. And wherever we went, um, we ended up doing a picture session. And, of course, people would gather around laughing and having a great right. f- deal of fun, um, especially tourists from around the world who suddenly saw there's a Harley-Davidson sitting there. And a lot of people from around the world have never seen a Harley-Davidson before. That's hard to, to describe. And wanted to have their picture taken on it. So Knucklehead kind of became a magnet to invite people up and have a conversation. And uh, unfortunately, Knucklehead got retired for this particular Irish trip because there's no way we we're going to have competition with wife Deb on well, that. I'm with, I'm with Deb on that one. But uh, he's awful cute, and we like seeing pictures of him. He is cute, but yep. he's officially retired. All right, well... He, I hope you give him a good retirement. He deserves it. He's been by your side a lot of years. So um, anyway, uh, you let's just what I did was go through um, um, Joe's um, website and just documented everything I could. And and to be prepared for this show, Joe brought in a huge map of Ireland so he and I can track how he went because you went from the north to the south. 
Most uh, people have never really studied a map of Ireland, and at least in your listeners, they've probably, uh, it, it would be very few people who have actually understood what Ireland is all about. If you look at it, it's sort of like an egg shape with the wider part of the egg down towards the south, um, but it has all kinds of nooks and crannies going around the coast. Yep. And the idea of this trip was, I don't know how many times I'm going to get to visit Ireland on a motorcycle, but I'm going to take every advantage I possibly can to do all the motorcycle roads that one would normally do. So we literally booked a three-week excursion uh, with a group called Lemon Rock Tours, and there's a sad part of that that I'll tell you about a little bit later. But basically, they have motorcycles that they um, rent out to people. They will design your trip for you, or you can participate in one of their guided tours. I didn't really want a guided tour. I wanted to be by ourselves experiencing what we loved, and part of that is history. So if you look at the map of Ireland, right in the center of this uh, map on the right-hand side, that would be to the east, uh, is Dublin. And that's where we flew into. About 20 miles to the west of that is a town called Trim. You can, right. you and I can see it here. It's highlighted. But Trim is a place um, that has a castle going back to, I think it's 1174. And the castle was literally right outside of our hotel window. And the first picture I took in Ireland was of the sun rising behind the castle's keep, which is the tower in the middle of the castle. And it was just a gorgeous shot, and it set the stage for the rest of our trip. We literally visited every historical site we passed by, but the aim was to do a complete circle around the coast, and we ended up doing that. Um, but it is a place that is so fascinating. Anybody who's interested in history or enjoys touring or enjoys seeing a seacoast environment with cliffs that are hundreds of feet high, um, this place is, you've got to put it on your bucket list, no matter what your form of transportation is, or even if you're doing a bus trip or a train trip around Ireland. Take advantage of that before That's you great. die. You've got to have it on your bucket list. And you know what I noticed? There's so many lakes. In, I mean, there's, I'm just counting them all. They're all over Ireland, all these lakes. and They are officially called Luffs, L-O-U-G-H. Oh, really? So Lough-esque is one of the places that we stayed at. Uh, Lough-esque is in the northern portion on this map. Uh, but there is a place called Lough-esque Castle, which yeah. is, it had to be one of the finest hotels I'd ever stayed at. Oh, wow. And literally, there's a heliport in the front yard. So you know this is a high-end place. For sure. And we had no idea that the tour company had booked us in that kind of an environment. So it was just an absolute thrill to be able to have this tour company take over where we were going they first listened to what we liked, what we wanted to see, and then they designed our own specific awesome. trip to go around. Um, the sad part of that story is that this past Monday, I got a text message from the company saying they're not booking any tours for 2024 because the couple that owns it is retiring. Oh. 
This is something that they have done uh, for many years. It's sort of been their hobby. They've made their money elsewhere. But the uh, the company was just phenomenal in how right. they treated us, what they did for designing things. And I'll talk more about that as we go and what yeah. they did to get us on the bike That's and go great. around. So under the Trim Castle, does the name Martha Trim Rainville? Is that is that Martha's... I bet Trim. I, I would not know the answer I to that question. I don't know either. I'm going to text her and see if that's um, that we were talking about the Trim Castle. But the town I, is called Trim yeah, as well, right? and, and would not surprise yeah, me. She has Irish history. Yes, she does. So Trim is uh, Martha Rainville's um, great middle town. name. How's that? Great little sure. town. Yeah, I, I'm going to text her when I get home. That the castle there, you, you noted that it's the largest Anglo. Norman Castle in Ireland. So yes, still intact. Oh, God. And you also mentioned flat white coffee. What <laughs> is that? When I was studying up on, on where to go in Ireland, I started to look at these uh, blog sites of people who had done it already. Right. And one of the couples especially, the guy was really into something called a flat white coffee. Um, I don't even know what's in it as I – Stop to think about it. I know there's coffee in it, but it, it always ends up with a design on the top um, that is some specialty of the local in-house brewer. Um, the flat white is a very hard coffee. It's it's almost like an extremely dark coffee. Huh. Um, and then after a while, I went back to be an American coffee, which is what they call it literally. It's more what you and I would understand right. and know. But it was nice to try it and say, cool. but a couple of those blog sites that I watched, the, the guys especially, were really into that hard coffee. I also noticed you were into the Irish beer because there was a lot of postings on your website, Joe, about the beer. First night out, it was Guinness <laughs> O'Clock at 5 o'clock. Exactly. Oh, I also have to mention that uh, uh, Joe brought along a logbook here, a notebook that you kept uh, copious notes. And in neat handwriting, that's very impressive. I don't know about it being well, neat, but um, I was determined to make a permanent record, record of yeah. the entire trip, and we did. Good for you. Um, so... Um, you picked up your BMW, how do you say that, R11250? Is it's, that how you pronounce it? It was a uh, BMW R1250GS, ah. triple black, officially. And what does that mean? What Just that means is there's three shades of black. You can actually get different shades of black if you try hard. It's more of a dark gray, but right. uh, that's what they call the machine. Now, you and I have both ridden motorcycles, but right. let me tell you that... Uh, my first motorcycle was a Kawasaki 450, which is no bigger than a Schwinn bicycle with a, a little tiny a little engine. Right. I was riding that uh, to learn how to ride, and then my sister-in-law saw me and said I looked like a train bear on a bicycle. <laughs> the next morning, and I mean this literally, I was at Wilkins Harley-Davidson, and I've been a Harley-Davidson owner since 1986. And if you are unfamiliar with motorcycles... Uh, the Harley-Davidson design is basically you are either sitting straight up or leaning slightly back with your legs extended out in front of you. Well, the BMW machine is a completely different animal. You have a sitting position that right. is leaning forward, and your legs are permanently tucked 
up underneath you because the, the engine of the machine extends out sideways, whereas the Harley is tight, tight yeah. and right. it's basically facing forward and back. So the BMW, in order to mount it, <clears throat> you cannot mount it flat-footed on the ground. It's literally like getting on a horse. You have to pick your leg up, put it onto the peg like you would a horse stirrup, right. and then rise up with the peg, throw your leg over onto the other side. Now, that's a pain in the rump for somebody my age and my height, but to my poor wife... The problem was exacerbated because there's a tour pack on the back of the bike, which she had to also clear oh, in throwing wow. her leg up. So she has twice the distance almost to get to the, the passenger peg and then throw her leg up over the, the seat normally like she would, but also clear the tour pack on the back. Well, by the end of every day's riding, we were both in need of a chiropractor. That's <laughs> the way things were going. <laughs> so, Joe. You get a new bike you've not ridden before. You are now riding around on very narrow, windy roads on the wrong side of the road. Well, their side is right side. But how did that work? How long did it take you to get into the swing of things? Um, <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> we actually um, met with the rental company the night before we were scheduled to leave. And the company has all their bikes in the basement of the hotel that we were staying at. Oh. So the first thing I did was I said, can I take a test ride of this bike around the garage? And I went around the garage several times, in and out of parking spots, right. just trying to get used to the bike. Very smooth machine, but I could tell in comparison to a Harley was top heavy. Now, I had yet to put all of the gear in and my wife on the back, which made it even more top-heavy. Um, but you immediately learn that there are different ways of reacting to a road. And for those that are unfamiliar with motorcycle riding, uh, you really have to pay attention even more so than if you're in a car. And the first thing that you learn... If you and I walk out onto the street here and we're going to cross the road, which way do you look first? Ah. You always look to the left because the traffic is coming from the left. That's instinctive right. when you're walking across a street here in America. Right, right. Over there, if you do that you're liable to get killed because you step out into the first lane and somebody is coming from the right. So I, I have this um, little blurb that I wrote about I was going to read. Yeah, go ahead. As a result of my first day out on the road. <laughs> so this is July 1st. Um, this is actually our fourth day in Ireland, but it's our second day of riding on the bike. I said, I woke about 5.30 a.m. to find Kilkenny, like apparently most of Ireland, fast asleep. Went down to inspect the bike after a rough ride yesterday. Embarrassed to say, I dropped it at a stop sign. Basically forgot to look right first at a T in the road. 
thankfully stopped in time, but as I went to put my feet down, I found to my dismay that the road's surface to my left sloped sharply down and away. I could not hold the weight of the bike, and over we went in a slow-motion fall. Terribly embarrassing, but thankfully only my pride was injured. (laughs) You can't really explain to anyone who is unfamiliar with a motorcycle how embarrassing it is to find yourself laying down on the road. But thankfully it was in a place, if it had to happen, this was the best place for it to happen. The other part of that is now you have to lift the bike up, which is almost upside down on the the configuration of the road was sloping away. So it's, it's a very heavy bike with a lot of weight in it. And it took both Debbie and I every ounce of strength we had to get it back up. But we did and on we went. Now I will have to say that the sat nav system and Bluetooth that we had from the company I had this lovely woman's voice with a British accent telling me everything I needed to do in the helmet. So everywhere we went, I would hear, at the roundabout, take the fifth exit, um, and that kind of thing. But it it literally was something that helped me tremendously. I didn't have to concentrate so much. Like normally, I'm a map guy. I brought a big map here today as the classic thing that I studied before I went. But in this situation, the lady in the satin nav was telling me exactly what I had to do, cool. what to anticipate and where to go. So riding the bike in uh, Ireland, even though it's on the left-hand side of the road, became a lot easier with that as your guide. That's crazy. I used to drop my bike all the time, and Bruce used to get a little upset when I'd say, oh, I dropped my bike, because you just said you don't say that you ever dropped your bike. And he said that when he taught motorcycle classes, there's a way to put your body into it and sort of roll it back. Yes. So people said, when you drop it, how do you pick it up? And I would say, I go, oh, Bruce. Yes. No, (laughs) basically, to pick up a bike properly, you would have your back to the bike. You would grasp it behind you, and you would use your legs to push it up. Right. But there was no way that bike was going to get pushed up when it's literally upside down. Right. And uh, it took both of our strength to get it to right up. And she wasn't hurt, obviously. That's a good thing. Um, She sort of squished her ankle between the pannier and the pavement. Wonderful. Um, But after... Three or four days of yelling at me and having a bruise on her ankle. It was okay. <laughs> oh my word! Anyway, so you you were in Kilkenny, was that where? We're in? And then you went to Kinsdale. These names of these towns, Joe. I had to look twice at what you were writing to write to write them correctly, and then who knows how to pronounce them. Uh, but some of the uh, pictures of the castles. Oh, tell the story. You went to Corey. C-O-H-I-R Castle, and there's a great story Cahir about... Castle. Oh, not even close. Cahir Castle, and the story of the lady walking her dog with the geese. That is funny. Well, as it happens, I had that page opened up in my book. We, we planned this, folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is July 1st again. We stopped at Burn Church Castle hit a small farmer's market and had coffee alongside a river next to Cahir Castle. Walked around the castle, dozens of snow geese in the river and lots of people out for a stroll, some with dogs. 
Some dogs are afraid of the geese. Some want to eat them, but a few just really want to play with them. Which brings me to the late twenty-something woman walking her rather large dog on a leash while holding a long conversation on her cell phone. <sighs> We could tell the dog really wanted to dive into the river next to the castle to make friends with the geese. While the owner, holding the leash, remained engrossed in her phone conversation, Deb said, "That dog's going in." <laughs> And sure enough, unable to contain herself, she jumped right in, taking her owner face first into the river. The phone and the owner's car keys got full immersion along with the owner. Funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> although I did feel obliged to grab the dog's leash, I have to say I I don't think. First, we made sure she was okay. Right. But Debbie and I were laughing for the next three days about what we had seen because you could just tell she was totally engrossed in a phone conversation. Right. Had no clue. Had no clue. And this is actually the the river is part of the moat around the castle. Right. And so it was probably a、uh, oh, I don't know an eight or nine foot drop from the bank, but the dog just took her completely outstretched、wow. and dumped her and her car keys and her phone right into the river. Well, at least he got to play with the geese. He、That、did. Was good. That's good. It was very comical. We like that. That's funny.、Um, so we're going to have to take a break in just a few minutes, and I don't want to、um, get into too much. But you had breakfast after this incident at the Blue Haven Inn, and、um, you were talking a little bit about Deb's breakfast. What's a typical Irish breakfast? Well, I don't know how when your break is coming up, but <laughs> let me tell you first. They call it brekkie. Oh, brekkie! Oh, I saw that brekkie.、Um, brekkie for me was usually what's called a full Irish breakfast. It comes with everything you can imagine, including blood pudding. Oh. The nice part about having a good breakfast in the morning is you don't really need to stop for lunch. Mostly, we would stop for a coffee and a scone. But the full brekkie is—you imagine everything there is to put on a breakfast plate, and that's what it was.、Cool. Um, very well done and a great meal. Now most people have never been to Europe.、Um, they picture France as having wonderful food and the UK having like mutton or whatever. Right. But that is not the case. I mean, everywhere we went in Ireland, the food was outstanding. So that's、uh, one thing you don't have to be worried about going over. Yeah, because that's my impression of Ireland is mutton and just very bland potatoes and and of course Anything, a, a Guinness on the side. Isn't well, the, sometimes Guinness is in the stew with the potatoes. <laughs> Now、uh, we're talking. And the meat. It, it, I have to say that we have traveled a bit, and the cuisine there is phenomenal. That's actually surprising and good to hear.、Yep. That's good. All right, we're going to take a break, and up we have two more minutes. We can't、I'll、keep talking. And on July second was Deb's birthday. Yes, it was. And that's a great place to spend your birthday, I would think. She has Irish roots that are in the north. We weren't, we didn't get to her town in time for her birthday,、uh, but we did have the opportunity eventually to go through her town, and it was a moving change for her. I could see her disposition change completely.、Huh. We went through the town. It's almost a spiritual thing that、nice. impacts you when you get to your family roots. And there were a lot of signs of her family roots that she had learned about through her childhood. She grew up in Derby, was born in Newport,、uh, but she had these roots that go back centuries and had heard stories.、Wow. We've had. 
pictures with us of people from the 1800s. Um, and when we got there, it literally was a spiritual overcoming for her that was really remarkable. I had never seen that in her nice. before. Um, but it was July 2nd. And uh, right about that time, what was going on back in Vermont? You were getting rained on. Every almost said something I can't say on radio. It's, Every it's, day. It's Joe. really bizarre yeah. that yeah. the Irish newscasts started with stories of Vermont being inundated by flooding. Wow. It was quite bizarre. So um, after Deb's birthday, um, you went to the southernmost place in Ireland, and I'm going to misspin it, M-I-Z-E-N, Mizzenhead? Mizzenhead. And what is Mizzenhead? Mizzenhead is the farthest southernmost point in Ireland. If you're looking at the map, it's yeah. way down the bottom on the left-hand side. Cool. And the scenery around there is quite remarkable. There are cliffs. There are lakes embedded in cliffs. There is a huge bridge going across a cool. huge gorge, all of it connected to the sea on one side. We had a funny experience there. I, I think it's kind of comical, and I'm pretty sure I can tell it over the air. <laughs> Families are walking all over the place in this area, and it includes a bridge. And right at the foot of the bridge going across a gorge was a family um, who had a little boy, probably two years old. And he suddenly decided he had to go pee. So, of course, he just... Dropped his drawers right. and went pee. And everybody on the bridge and all around was just, it was an adorable shot. People were laughing hysterically. But that's what I'll remember about that's Miss cool. was This kid <laughs> had absolutely hey. no compunction about just deciding, when, I gotta go pee. Well, you gotta go, Joe. You gotta yeah. go. That's it. That's cute. Um, I can tell from, um, just, I mean, the, the ocean obviously surrounds the whole, uh, all of Ireland, and they must eat a lot of fish. Do they do. They, they do. Yes. I bet they do. Fresh. All kinds of fish to uh, consume in every conceivable way you can think of. But some of the best fish that we had was simply a fish and chips lunch. Yep, right, right. Um, we had lots of opportunities to walk about and try all kinds of foods, but they do a really good job on all kinds of fish meals. That's great. I, I'm just, I'm glad to hear that. I just always think mutton, which is not one of my favorite well, things. Um, Got to try it. Yeah, really, we do. Um, so after going to the southernmost part of Ireland, you uh, head up to Oh, I can't do this. Stagu? Stagu Fort. Stagu Fort, which is built way before Christianity even came to Ireland. So it is, is your notes. If you go around Vermont, you will see stone walls that are what we consider to be yeah, ancient. Yeah. Um, the stone walls that we have here are yesterday's news in comparison to right. what you see over there. Now, Stag Fort was one of the many places I wanted to visit. And I tried, because there are so many things to see, I tried to pick one thing in each category. For instance, right. a round fort is one uh, thing, and a castle is another thing. But we tried to hit at least one thing nice. that fell into all of those categories. This particular fort has walls that they must be 15 to 20 feet high. And they are uh, enclosing a circle, and on the inside of the stone walls 
all the way around are steps that are going up to the top, so you can literally go up the steps and walk around the top of the stone wall. And underneath those steps are rooms that are hidden underneath uh, huh. for safety purposes, but the walls are constructed in a way they've never had an ounce of mortar. They have been there for thousands of years. And you look at it and you think, how did we ever lose this technology? The simple act of putting together two stones, but they're joined in such a way, no tool would ever enhance what I was witnessing there. They were put together decades and decades worth of people that are building these things. But the expertise in those rock walls is just phenomenal to see. We should talk a little bit about um, Vermonters in Ireland. Oh, for sure. Because I made sure that as I was going over there, I wore my Vermont State Senate jacket. And um, we ran into Westport. was one of the first places we spent a great deal of time walking about. We took a two-day layover there. And it's a wonderful walking town, but walking down the street, I'm wearing that jacket, and this couple's coming up the other way and says, are you from Vermont? I said, yes, we are. Or we're from Vermont. And I never got the name of the couple, but I did hear that she was the incoming president for the Montpelier Rotary Club. Awesome. So whoever that person is, I I want to say hello again. Um, We had another situation on our last day there where we were coming out of the restaurant, and the restaurant had inside and outside seating. Well, as I came, we were inside eating, and we came out, and at the very first table, this woman looks up to me and says, are you from Vermont? I said, well, yes, we are. I said, are you from Vermont? She said, no, I'm from Maryland. And she said, my neighbor is Gerald Malloy. Oh, for heaven's and I, sake. And I said, she said, do you know Gerald Malloy? I said, well, yes, I do. We were campaigning in the last campaign. And um, she basically was trying to tell me that he's a Maryland resident, not a <laughs> Vermont resident. But I thought that was pretty comical oh, as well. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting to move from Vermont to Maryland. That's not normally the uh, place actually, one goes. Actually, it? it was reverse. He was a Maryland person who oh, came to Vermont. Well, that makes more sense. There you go. But we ran into Vermonters or people who knew people from Vermont right. all over that's the great. place. And I think one of the pictures I posted was – walking into a place called Dick Max. Yes, which is apparently very famous, right? It's a very famous pub. It's one of the oldest pubs in Ireland. And I walk in, and I, I just wanted to look around and get a feel for the place. And there on the wall is a Vermont license plate. Oh, wow. And I'm thinking, how the heck did that get here? I wished I knew the story, but I don't. But it was a great way to connect with Vermont. Everywhere you went, there would be somebody who would know something or somebody. Um, although there was an incident where a guy we ran into was talking with us, giving us recommendations on where to eat. He had no idea where Vermont was. <laughs> I basically said, you go to New York and you turn left. And yeah, right, exactly. That's great. Well, that's funny because that, well, when you're you're sort of well-known, so you hear that Joe Benning, um, you're like, uh-oh. I had that happen to me. My wife might times. disagree with that <laughs> contention, but. I think you are well known. So, and as we're reading through this, um, uh, through your website, you had pictures of the hotel in Dingle, which seemed like all the things you'd listed in Dingle had a lot of stuff to see there. But they also, your tour company gave you a surprise at the hotel in honor of Fourth of July, and this, they had a parade. This was really incredible. Uh, on the Fourth of July, 
um, we woke up and the streets were, which we were supposed to take according to Satnav, were closed. And it was because they were having a 4th of July celebration, the American celebration. And and I, it floored me because everywhere we went, they loved Americans. That never ceased all the way around the island, both Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Um, so it really surprised me how well they like Americans. They love having you there. And I can't stress this enough. If you've never been and you want a truly enjoyable experience, put it on your bucket list. Even if you can only make it for a weekend, go and experience a place where they really like Americans. That's, that in itself is a nice thing to hear. That's a good thing. And Dingle, you listed... Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, six things in Dingle to go see. I mean, the list went on and on. That must be some town. It is the uh, probably one of the most visited tourist ah. towns in Ireland, and there's all kinds of uh, places to see. If you go onto my Facebook page and dig back far right. enough to July, you'll see a lot of pictures and a lot of history. Yeah. Awesome. You also talked about the Ring of Kerry, which we should talk about because apparently that's where most tourists go. They go on that the drive. The most driven road right. in Ireland is around a peninsula. It's on the on the map here. It's in the lower left-hand corner, um, but it starts in Dingle and goes around that peninsula. You'll see, I believe Dingle is highlighted with a pink um, yeah. Highlighter. And it goes around the um, entire peninsula. It's called the Ring of Kerry. At the end of the Ring of Kerry, if you're a Star Wars fan, is a place called Skellig Michael. It's an island way off the coast. Um, but that scene in the one of the most, most recent Star Wars uh, right? of where the it? woman, I can't remember her name, goes to find Luke Skywalker and he's on this godforsaken cliff somewhere. Yep, right. Well, that's, that's Skellig Michael. Neat. I love Star Wars. I really wanted to go take a ride out there. It's a boat trip that lasts uh, six hours round trip, and unfortunately there are no bathrooms anywhere. So there was no for possible s- way that my s- wife and I were going to be uh, <laughs> able to hack yeah, that. And too old for that, Joe. Yeah, we, we passed on Yeah, that. exactly. So you rode from Dingle to uh, Mally Vaughan? Vaughan? to the Highland Buren Hotel, which is on Ireland's west coast. With, and you talked about the docent there and how knowledgeable she was. I had to look that up, what a docent was. A, a docent is if you go into Vermont State House, yep. there uh, are people in the middle of the hallway that right. give tours. Yep. That's a docent. Oh, there you go. And she apparently was very knowledgeable and um, there, got you going. There was one castle in particular, I want to say it's Ogunaw Castle, and we learn more about castles and construction of castles than I'd ever heard before. Yeah. For instance, one thing you always picture in your mind when you talk about castle is this gray stone building. Well, in fact, every single castle was built with gray stone but was then covered in white limestone. So it literally from miles away wow. would shine in the sunlight. And they called them shark's teeth. That's how they could tell where they needed to be and go. Uh, but I never knew that about a castle. Me neither. And jo- they have so many more things to talk about. I don't know how to use the next 15 minutes because um, the stories just go on and on. And um, 
you were just talking about the white castles, which must be fabulous in the distance to see this white gleaming structure. And how they did it back then, no lift trucks or lifts or any of that stuff. I, I have just been blown away by their technology or their skill set right. way back then. And we've completely lost how you do that. Well, sort of like the pyramids, right? How the exactly. heck did they do that? But a lot of these places that we visited are far older than the pyramids Whoa. and Stonehenge in England. And oh. I talked a lot about that on the website. Oh, the Stonehenge. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, it just, and of course, I did make a comment here on my notes. It said, rain, rain, rain. You have to be prepared. I yeah. mean, we knew ahead of time that Ireland does get a lot of rain. Right. Uh, it did not rain every day. When it rained, it really wasn't a downpour. It was kind of like Mist. you'd get a shower or there'd be fog. Yeah. You go with the mindset, you understand you're going to be out in the elements, you bring proper rain gear, and we were fine the right. entire time. There were days we missed things because you just couldn't see it in the fog. Right. That was problematic. Yeah, a little hard driving on the wrong side of the road in the fog. Well, as long as you've got that lovely British woman in your satin yeah, right. system talking in your helmet, you're fine. You're all right. Oh, wow. I just uh, think about motorcycle instruction. Look, lean, and roll, but you'd have to look and lean the other way and roll. Uh, that is right? exactly right. <laughs> I'd have to practice myself. Anyway, um you also were at the northernmost part of Ireland, which was the Malin, Malin, Malin Head. Head. That's what it's called. Yeah. And there, there are several videos on Joe's website, which I found fascinating. I also thought Ireland was very flat, but it's not. Where do I get all this wrong? Uh, what do they call bad information? Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny when people have an image of something. I don't know where the image usually was born, right. but when you see this place, uh, one of the things that I, I remarked was this place, Ireland, is Vermont on steroids. That's hmm. exactly what I thought about. The mountains are incredible. The sea coasts are, they're not the flat beaches. If you go to Maine, you'll see flat beaches and, and people that are populating them. These beaches are encased in hundred foot cliffs wow. um, that just drop on many occasions straight into the sea. And on many of those cliffs, there is literally a castle danging over the edge of the cliff. Um, so you are experiencing a landscape that's like nothing else I'd seen before. Wow. And I've been all across the country. Um, but this entire Ireland trip was nothing but one phenomenal scene after another. Right. It kept our interest the whole way. Malinhead is at the very top of the Republic of Ireland. Shortly after that, you cross into Northern Ireland. So in the Republic of Ireland, you are using and spending euros. But when you cross into the Republic of Ireland, you now are back on the British pound. Huh. Um, so that was kind of interesting. And there's a definite political difference between the two places. Right. In the Republic of Ireland, which is the vast majority of the landscape, you see Irish flags everywhere. As soon as you get into the Republic of Ireland, you see nothing but British flags. Oh, interesting, interesting. isn't it? Yep. Well, that's been going on for a century or two, yes, hasn't it? Indeed. Been? So you also talked about, um, I can't pronounce this, character. The castle that's attached to Deb's family tree. Carrick Fergus. Carrick Fergus. 
So the, that must have been cool for her. The entire um, area is not heavily traveled by tourists. So we had this castle all to ourselves. Oh, wow. Um, we had time to just absorb the atmosphere and the spirit of the place. And it was one of those things that really moved Deb because she recognized her ancestors probably had a hand in building the place. Um, but it is a spooky environment. It, it is I, Haunted? I, I can't. Everywhere you go, there's a haunting of some kind or other. But, oh, uh, really? This area just had a spiritual attachment for Deb that was quite phenomenal. Yeah, that's really cool. Obviously, she knows a lot about her history, which is important, I think. That's for, true. For kids to be brought up with that kind of history. I have a note here that we were just talking about this at break. It says, nothing like Bushmills Irish whiskey in your porridge along with, <laughs> what is that? Oh, Irish honey. Irish honey and Bushmills whiskey. There you go. Was one of our last breakfasts. Good they, morning. They put it in their porridge. Cool. Um, I had no idea that anybody would put whiskey in porridge, but we had this huge buffet set out in front of us at a very haunted castle, by the way. Um, and several of the places that we stayed at were castles. But in this particular breakfast, there was a huge buffet, and in one corner of it, I see this huge pot of porridge. And I like to eat oatmeal in the morning, so I thought I'd try some. But next to it is a bottle of whiskey. (laughs) And this Scottish woman was next to me at the table, at the uh, buffet table, and was going on in her uh, Scottish brogue about how I have to try the Bushmills in my porridge. And I wish I could redo her (laughs) accent because it was just really funny. But I tried it, and sure enough, that was some good stuff. Mm, beets maple syrup. That's what I put in my uh, porridge. I, that's what I do every morning with blueberries. <laughs> yeah, <I understand. laughs> Me too with blueberries. That's cool. So there, were, you also covered, uh, when you went back um, to Dublin, I think a lot of churches. Yep. And there was one, St. Helena's, that talked about the true cross. What was there, that? Um, uh, my brain says to me that somewhere back in time, somebody in the Middle East who lived in the Middle East, right. when the Crusaders came through, was at a vendor shop somewhere saying, I got a piece of the real cross. <laughs> that's that's what I envisioned. Right. Um, but there was relics inside oh, this particular building, and one of them was apparently a piece of the From original the cross. cross. Wow. Because that's a long way from the original cross. Well, they had to have, and a lot of Ireland is um, historically significant for crusaders who came back and brought things with them. And I just have this vision of yeah. some crusader Look really what got, I found. Yeah, got sold by <laughs> some local. And that's, but there you go. they treat it with reverence and respect as part of the true cross. So on uh, towards the end of your trip, you actually connected with friends. I did. Many people in Vermont might remember the name Joe Romano. He was somebody from what was then Linden State College. Um, His family is still living in Burlington, but he moved over there after marrying a Scottish woman. He lives in um, England now, but they met us in Dublin. Uh, Another friend of mine who I hadn't seen for years who worked with me uh, at a camp in the United States, he was English himself but he came over and he 
How joined nice us. So you. we all had a great time in Dublin for so four nights. So you and Joe Romano, there's a little note here that says guitar playing duo. We played guitar together Serious? back in the late 1970s, early 1980s, and that was how I met my wife, Deb. Oh, do tell. Well, the... Uh, Linda State College had a row of rooms in the Colonnade Hotel because they had so many students they couldn't fit them in the dormitories. Remember those days? Right. So he lived on the second floor, and we used to practice guitar in his room. Oh. Um, and I was coming down out of his room, down the stairs, and this beautiful woman was coming <laughs> up the other side. Ta-da. And I, I looked at her, and I, I just – there was a connection. And mm-hmm. I always – did was say hello, and she said hello and kept going. Well, it was a night or two after that that uh, Joe introduced me, and Deb and I spent about two hours just talking about we, what we wanted out of life. Ah. And when we left to go out, um, he said to me, what did you think of Deb? And I said, I'm going to marry that girl. <laughs> and that's a true story, and which he will, he will confirm today. And I know you celebrated your anniversary over there. How many years? Starts um, with a four? Four, zero. Wow, good for you guys. I need to tell you about our end of this trip because you guys in Vermont, I know, you guys in Vermont were being inundated. Lindenville suffered some as well, but we were in touch with our neighbor who said our road got washed out, but then shortly before we were to return, our road had been fixed. So we arrived back in town. And we decided we wanted to go to the grocery store to get some cream for our coffee the next morning. And I noticed that the traffic lights were out. Every light in town was out. So Lindenville was out of power. We came back up our hill. And, of course, we have electric garage door openers and everything else was locked. So we had a slight problem. We literally had to break into our own house by me boosting Deb up to a garage. I shouldn't say that because somebody will try to break in and take over (laughs) our house. But we had to break into our own house to get back in. It was kind of comical. I think you owe your your daughter, your wife, a wonderful... I gave her a trip to Ireland for crying out loud. (laughs) I know, but she sounds like a really good sport. She is. is That's cool. Well, Joe Benning, I thank you very much. I found this fascinating, and I learned a lot, which is always a good thing. Been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. (laughs) 